0: I don't have children of my own, but I am blessed to be an aunt and to be super involved in the lives of my niece and nephew almost from the moments they took their first breath. And I remember how nervous I was at first to hold them. The handoff from my sister to my arms equaled a bomb squad's delicate maneuvers to disarm a bomb. Whatever you do, support the neck. I just envisioned like their heads snapping off and rolling across the floor. Babies seem so fragile when you're inexperienced. But the more comfortable I got with them, the more I trusted my own abilities, but especially trusted their resiliency. But one of my favorite memories from the first year of their lives was rocking them to sleep. Now, my niece, the one in the picture, was especially fussy as she was dealing with colic, and it was a battle many times to get her to sleep. And I remember several members of our families taking turns rocking her and holding her tight and, and while she wrestled and she wailed and she fought the very thing that she needed, which was sleep. And as I would pace with her and rock her and walk around with her, I would whisper into her ear that you are a child of God and you are loved. And every other beautiful promise from her creator that I wanted to be a core memory in her life. And no matter how hard she cried, I held on tighter and I kept walking and rocking and whispering until she finally gave up the fight. One of my favorite feelings that I can still sense today is the moment she would turn to a dead weight because she had fallen asleep. It was an expression of absolute, even unconscious, trust in the one who was holding her. And it was a fragile but also holy moment. And often in those moments, those holy moments, when I would set Morgan down in her crib, again like a bomb squad dealing with a highly volatile explosive, in those moments, the Holy Spirit would whisper into my ear, Child, this is how God holds you. You fight, you whine, you resist the one thing that you need. Yet God is holding you tight and will not let go. So much in life seems fragile. Relationships are broken. Conversations feel like minefields. Health and illness remind us of the fragility of our physical bodies. And we find ourselves sometimes holding our breaths, afraid to exhale, for fear we might unravel some last remaining thread that's holding everything and ourselves together. When you're feeling fragile and broken, and vulnerable. It may seem weird to lean into our identity as children of God. I mean, the idea of being like a child might reinforce among many of us a feeling of vulnerability and fragility and dependence, which we often associate with weakness. And just as Morgan resisted sleep, fighting against my embrace, we often resist and fight against trusting or being dependent upon God. Yet, when we surrender to our God-given identity as children of God, when we live dependent on God, when we trust the one who holds us, we find exactly what we need for our fragile lives. We find a safe place to rest. Our text today is from 1 John, a writing that professor and priest Martin Luther said is an outstanding epistle or letter. It can bowie up afflicted hearts. Well, may it bowie up or sustain our fragile hearts today. Let's read verses 1 through 3 of chapter 3 in 1 John. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously. Because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. But Friends. That's exactly who we are, children of God. And that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we'll see him, and in seeing him, become like him. All of us who look forward to his coming stay ready with the glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. We are children of God. But what does that mean, and how does that help us when life is fragile and broken? The text begins first with the truth that we are marvelously loved. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us, just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. Author and preacher Tony Campola told a story once about a friend of his who had a five-year-old daughter. And one night during a thunderstorm, the lightning was flashing and the thunder was roaring, and he went into her room to check on her. And he found her standing on the windowsill, spread eagle against the glass. And he said, Jennifer, what are you doing? And she said, I think God's trying to take my picture. Here is a little girl who knows her worth. She knows who she is and her value. As we get older... And we find ourselves sitting in the window still among storms. Many of us struggle to see the flash of an adoring parent. Instead, we see the flash of a disappointed God, a hard-to-please God, an angry God. You see, our shame, our loss of innocence, our experiment, experience with judgmental humans has changed the story for us along the way. And we struggle to remember who we are and to believe that we are worthy of love. We struggle to believe that God delights in us and would want to take our picture. God's love can sometimes feel fragile. Our identity as children of God seems vulnerable sometimes and easily broken. Yet our text today comes alongside us and whispers into our ears You are children of God, you are loved. We're reminded that love is extended to us by God. It is a gift to us from the one who loves us and calls us children. We can't request it, we can't earn it, and we cannot decline it. Because it has nothing to do with us, it has everything to do with God. The status of being children of God is a gift or the outcome of receiving the gift of God's love. And as our text today continues to embrace us and pace with us, it whispers, you are loved. You are children of God. And now as children of God who have received God's love, live in response to God's love. Let's look again at verses 2 and 3. But friends, that's exactly who we are, children of God. And that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we will see him, and in seeing him, become like him. All of us who look forward to his coming stay ready, with the glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. The Christian life can be regarded as a response to God's love, as obedience to Christ's command, or as purification or in preparation in hope. But the key to the obedience and to the hope is first receiving the gift of God's love. Now, when I would whisper into my niece's ear as a baby, she would sometimes listen, and other times she'd fight against me even more. I always loved her feisty spirit. My nephew's response was different. When I would whisper into his ear, he would listen, and when I stopped After a moment, Blake would push his ear up against my mouth, as if to say, keep whispering. And I would smile and I would start again. You are a child of God. You are loved. God has great plans for you. And I know he didn't understand the words or what I was saying, but I believe then, as I do now, that God has the power to plant those truths into the depths of Blake's mind and heart so that when he needs them most, when life is fragile, the Spirit of God will resurrect them and whisper them again, and Blake will press his ear in close and remember who he is and how deeply he is loved. And the undeserved gift of God's love will be the cause for his obedience and hope in Christ. When we view God as a disappointed God, a hard-to-please God, an angry God, then our relationship with God seems as fragile as the world around us. Of course it would feel fragile, because you and I know ourselves too well. We are broken. We're weak. We are, as author Brenning Manning says, a bundle of paradoxes. I believe and I doubt. I hope and I get discouraged. I love and I hate. I feel bad about feeling good, and I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. I am trusting and suspicious. I am honest, and yet I still play games. And we've lived enough life to know that there is not much grace for these paradoxes, whether grace from ourselves or grace from others. Our brokenness is something that we're trained to hide from others for fear it will end in rejection. So it's quite easy for us to project this same thing upon God and to expect that our relationship with God is too fragile and vulnerable. And when God's love feels conditional, or any relationship feels conditional, we usually respond in one of two ways. We either try harder living a vicious, fruitless cycle of works that leaves us exhausted and feeling even more fragile. Or we reject before we can be rejected, which honestly also feels fragile and vulnerable if we're constantly living with walls up and trying to defend them every day. There is a better way, whispered into our ears today, if we will press our ears in to hear What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. And when we receive this gift of God's love because of who God is and God alone, we can truly rest in God's embrace because we are children of God. We will see Christ and our hope is in him. While life may be fragile, God's love for us is not. Today some of us may feel like we can't get back to that place where we can declare in faith like the five-year-old girl in the windowsill that God loves us and wants to take our picture. We've lived a lot of life and childlike faith seems impossible. But let me share a story of a man on the other end of the life spectrum as told by Brennan Manning in his book The Wisdom of Tenderness. Several years ago, Edward Farrell of Detroit took his two-week vacation to Ireland to celebrate his, uh, his favorite uncle's 80th birthday. And on the morning of that great day, Ed and his uncle got up before dawn, dressed in silence, and went for a walk along the shores of a lake. And just as the sun rose, his uncle turned and stared straight at the rising sun. And Ed stood beside him for 20 minutes with not a single word exchanged. Then the elderly uncle began to skip along the shoreline, a radiant smile on his face. After catching up with him, Ed commented, Uncle Seamus, you look very happy. Do you want to tell me why? Yes, lad, the old man said, tears washing down his face. You see, the father is fond of me. The father is so very fond of me. My friends, God is indeed very fond of you. God is trying to take your picture. God is embracing you, even while you thrash about and cry and reject what you really need because it seems risky and fragile. You are safe in the arms of Jesus. You, all of you, even every paradox in you is safe in the arms of Jesus. And while life may be fragile, God's love for you is not. As we conclude today this Troubled Hearts series, our prayer is that when you feel fatigued or fearful or fragile, you will remember and claim this truth. The Good Shepherd will never stop holding you tightly Whispering into your ear, you are my child. I love you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. You are my child. I love you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. You are my child. I love you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful for your love, the gift of your love. That's not based on us or any of our works or our failures or successes. It's completely based on who you are, that you are love. And that gift is given to us and we just need to receive it. Father, help us to trust you, to know that you are different, to know that you are are a safe place for us to rest. And when life feels fragile and when relationships are broken and we are deep in our own brokenness, God, you are safe and you love us, that you delight in us, that you like us, that you do want to take our picture. God, help us to remember how very fond you are of us. And each day as we remember that truth, May we then live out of that, in response to that love, be obedient to Christ, and to live as people of hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.